Hello and welcome to Lecture 2A of MGI 516 IT Governance. This is Brenton Birchmore and we're now going to have a bit of a chat about ISO, the International Standards, in particular 38,500. But first, what's the ISO? Well, contrary to what a lot of people think, ISO is not actually an acronym. It doesn't stand for International Standards Organizations, although you could think of it that way. ISO is actually derived from a Greek word, isos, meaning equal, spelled I-S-O-S. And the founders adopted that as a name that implied really what they're trying to do. They're trying to help everyone who adheres or follows or complies with the standards that they operate to be equal. Equal at least in the context of the standard that they're adhering to. But in a more practical sense... ISO is an independent organization. It's non-government, an international organization who's comprised of members that are generally national standards organizations. So they're members, and it's 161 currently. These are organizations that look after local standards in countries around the world. And these member organizations get together, they share, they agree, they have experts, they have gather information, and they agree on standards that they then purport to be market-relevant and consensus-based. So although there's a large number of members in this organization, they work to try to agree and find consensus on what these standards should be. And the standards are also voluntary. So ISO themselves don't say that you have to do this, but occasionally the laws that are passed in various countries might rely upon standards that, or standards advice from their own standards organisations. When certain things do need to be legislated from a compliance point of view, it is these kinds of standards that they may be referring to. Now, these standards are very useful to give a common understanding of universal things, and it's especially valuable for things like international trade. But ISO aren't really the only organisation that deal with these kinds of standards. You might notice that 38500 is actually described as ISO slash IEC standard. But who's the IEC? Well, they are an acronym, and it stands for the International Electrotechnical Commission. And this you can think of as a parallel organization that also does standards. But the IEC focuses on electrical, electronic, and related technologies which they've summarized into the word electrotechnology. In contrast, ISO is far more broad. In fact, it is everything. ISO covers everything, including all the non-technical, everything to do with environment, everything to do with economics or the environment. ISO is there to help define any kind of standard. But those standards that are to do with technology or electrotechnology may well be published collectively, may well be determined collectively by cooperation between ISO and IEC. And in a lot of cases, the membership, the organizations that form the members of both might be the same organizations. Although IEC is considered a quasi-government commission, which is generally only comprised of national committees. And these are generally the standards organizations of those particular countries, and usually the same ones that are in ISO. As an example, Standards Australia is the independent organization in Australia that's recognized by the Australian government as the peak non-government standards body in Australia. 
and they are a member of both ISO and IEC. These organisations do work very closely together, and they do create, develop, and publish the same standards through their collective work. And thus, we get standards such as the ISO IEC 38500. These international standards are a way for organisations to understand what is considered the ideal level at which to perform certain things or to go about certain things. It's not about how to do it. It's about how well to do it. More exactly, it's often about what to do. What are the minimum requirements? Some standards can be a kind of checklist of things that are required to be considered to be performing at the right level. Now, in general, most standards can be used in two ways. They can be used strictly to comply, to achieve certification, or they can be used as a guide. The first idea is about organizations that being able to publicly demonstrate and prove themselves to other organizations or to the consumers or to the public. An ISO certification means that that organization has done all that's necessary to meet a certain standard and has been proven through its certification. Now, that's not easy. In fact, it's often extremely difficult, can take many years, costs a lot of money. So when they get there, it's often worth quite a bit of recognition. But not all standards are created equal. Some are long and detailed and complicated. Others are quite simple and fairly high level. Either way, there is a second way to use these standards, which is as a form of informal guidance. This is for those organizations that might not be planning or intending to go all the way towards achieving recognition and compliance and certification. But by understanding what the ISO is trying to achieve, we can interpret this for any organization. We can find guidance that will help inform and assist anyone to decide how best to implement that particular kind of activity in their organization. So we don't have to go to the effort and the expense to get certified. We can be informed from that standard. So what's in 38500? What's it about? What does it cover? The latest version was published as recently as 2015, which replaced the previous 2008 version. In its own scope, it explains that the standard provides guiding principles for members of governing bodies of organizations, so that can be the owners, the directors, the executive managers, or whomever, on the effective, efficient, and acceptable use of information technology within their organizations. It also provides guidance to those who are involved in the governing bodies, who are advising those government bodies, assisting those government bodies, and these might be executive managers, members of groups that are monitoring resources in the organization, it could be auditors, it could even be external service providers or even technical specialists. So this standard is meant to apply to the governance of the organization's current and future use of IT, including all of its management processes, the decisions relating to current and future use, even down to the processes that might be controlled by IT specialists and technicians within the organizations or even people outside of the organizations. One of the things about ISO standards is what it implies or what it restricts in an organization usually includes whatever else that organization might rely upon. So for an organization to be compliant to a standard, they have to make sure that whatever they get supplied 
that is relied upon by that organization doesn't mean that those suppliers have to be compliant themselves, but it means that the organization, in order to be compliant, has to make sure that their suppliers, or they're able to control what happens from those suppliers in a way that ensures that that organization can be compliant with everything they do. Now, the standard then goes on to clarify that this standard defines governance of IT as being a subset of organizational governance. So in the case of a corporation, you'd also call it corporate governance. It defines IT governance as a subset of that. But it's universally applicable. It can apply to any particular organizations. It can be commercial organizations, public and private companies. can even be government entities or departments, not-for-profits, anybody. It's also meant to be applicable to organizations of all sizes, smallest to largest. It doesn't say or have or do things that are dependent upon a particular size of the organization. And its purpose is to promote the effective, efficient, and acceptable use of IT. And there's three ways that it's really trying to do that. The first is via stakeholders, assuring the stakeholders that if the principles and practices in this standard are followed, then they can have confidence in the organization's governance of IT. Secondly, by informing and guiding those governing bodies within the organization who do govern the use of IT. And thirdly, by having a vocabulary, establishing a common set of terms and references and a way of describing this that is common and universal, that everyone can understand the same meanings of what it all means. And from that, the standard then goes and gives a long list of terms and definitions and what they mean. And most standards do that. They clarify exactly what terms and definitions they're working with and what they mean. So it's a bit like a glossary of terms, but it has more precise and more important meaning for what everything means in the document. Now, an interesting thing about 38500 is that after it's given us our terms and definitions, it then talks about the benefits of good governance. And this makes it useful for any organization, not just the ones that are looking to tick the boxes and dot the I's and cross the T's, because it helps us understand the reasoning and purpose behind the creation of this standard. It talks about the benefit of governance of IT by ensuring that IT can contribute positively to various aspects of the organization. It can contribute to the innovation in its services or markets or business, contribute to the alignment of IT with business needs, appropriately implementing and operating IT assets, by contributing to the clarity of responsibility and accountability for the supply and demand of IT, and business continuity, sustainability, the efficient allocation of resources, good practice in relationships with stakeholders, making sure people get along, and the actual realization of the expected benefits from each IT investment. Imagine that. Imagine where we actually get what we are hoping for when we spend money on IT. And that's just one of the many things that the ISO standard is saying we should be expecting to get if we are governing IT correctly. Now, I want to point out here that this should be seen as good news for people who operate in an IT environment that is or should be governed. Governance is not about restrictions, locking down, preventing. It's about enabling. It's about making sure that the right stuff happens in the right way. And at the very start, this standard outlines those objectives, those benefits. That's the purpose of what governance of IT is meant to be doing. And if you're not doing it that way, 
According to ISO, you're doing it wrong. Now, the bulk of this relatively small standard is divided into a model and a set of six principles. And the model says that governing bodies within an organization should be concerned with three main tasks or activities. One is to evaluate the current and future use of IT. Second, to direct the preparation and the implementation of strategies and policies to ensure that the use of IT meets business objectives. That's saying we make sure that IT is doing what the business needs it to do. And the third task is to monitor the conformance to the policies and the performance against those strategies. So we have a plan and we keep an eye on it and make sure it keeps delivering what it's supposed to. And this is a fairly simplistic statement of simple tasks. But it goes on to say that authority might be delegated to particular managers or things downstream within the organization. But the ultimate accountability for the effective, efficient, and acceptable use of IT remains with the governing body and cannot be delegated. So it says the buck stops here. And one of the key elements of all ISO standards is the clear establishment of who is accountable. Who holds the can if things don't go well? So these three tasks are described as evaluate, direct, and monitor. So in evaluating the use of IT, it says governing bodies should consider everything. And I mean everything. External or internal pressures that might be applicable. Could be technological change, economic, social trends, regulatory obligations, stakeholder expectations, political influences, anything. Everything should be taken into account. It also says that we should be doing this evaluation continually as the circumstances change. And we're not only evaluating our current needs, but our future needs as well. Looking at what IT should be achieving in the future. The second stage is directing. And here it's talking about that the first thing we should do is assign responsibility for and to direct the preparation and the implementation of strategies and policies. We need to have a plan. The governing body needs to set the direction for the investments in IT and what IT is meant to achieve. And the policies and the strategies that come out of that should establish sound behavior in the use of IT. It doesn't tell us what that behavior needs to be. It says that the governing body must have the policies, must have the strategies, must have thought about it, must have made the decisions, and must have shared that with all relevant parties. And the third is monitoring, which means through whatever measurement systems are necessary, the governing body needs to monitor the performance of IT. If IT isn't meeting the requirements of the business, isn't efficient, isn't effective, isn't acceptable, that the governing body needs a way to find out. This is not just about making sure that IT conforms with any external obligations like contractual obligations or legislation or anything. It's far more than that. It's about making sure that it's doing whatever the organization needs it to do. It's basically saying we should monitor to see whether or not the policies and strategies that have been created and implemented by the governing body are achieving what the governing body expects them to do. Now, the standard has a rather neat diagram, an illustration that you can probably look up and find online. Do a search for ISO 38500 Model for Governance of IT and look at the image section. 
and you'll probably see a variety of them. This shows inputs from the external pressures, business pressures, regulatory obligations, authority, stakeholder expectations, business needs, all pressing down on the governing body, which is doing those three things, evaluate, direct, and monitor. It evaluates by examining proposals and plans. It directs by creating strategy and policies. And it monitors by looking at performance and conformance. And this is how the governing body maintains its relationship with whatever management of IT that's happening at a deeper level in the organization. The rest of the standard is six principles, which we'll cover in the next lecture. But for now, this is the end of Lecture 2A.